This Christmas season, this Advent season, as you know if you've been with us, right, we've been exploring the, the Christmas stories in depth, imagining what it might have actually been like to be there, realizing that there are a lot of layers that we've added on top of them from Renaissance paintings and theologies of Mary's you know, perpetual virginity and this sort of sense that she was just always glowing, a light. And even theologically, as, as you know, men throughout the ages have reflected on this, that somehow when Jesus was born, there was no blood, that little Jesus, no crying did he make, as if to take the humanity of this birth, of this God-child, out, right? Just sort of take it out of the story to, to cleanse it, to sterilize it. And we reflected in poetry and in scripture on Christmas Eve about this reality, right? We've almost turned it into something that's completely, if we're being honest, completely unrelatable. And yet Mary and Joseph and Jesus were all fully human, and all the messy, gory, beautiful, complicated ways that that means. And so this morning and this week, as I've been dwelling in this space of bringing new life into the world, this story that we lifted up this morning of, of Mary giving birth and laying Jesus in an animal's feeding trough because there was no room in the, the guest room. I came across, as I was reflecting on this, this, this poem by a woman named Caitlin Shepler. And it reflects on this dynamic, this moment for Mary in a way that just made me stop in my tracks and sort of took my breath away. And I want to share it with you all this morning as we gather, as we reflect on what it is that the invitation is in this story, how it might speak to our own realities, our own struggles, what it might offer and invite us into. Sometimes I wonder, she writes, if Mary breastfed Jesus, if she cried out when he bit her, or if she sobbed when he would not latch. And sometimes I wonder if, if this is all too vulgar to ask in a church full of men without milk stains on their shirts or coconut oil on their breasts, preaching from pulpits off limits to the mother of God. But then I think of feeding Jesus, of birthing Jesus, the expulsion of blood and smell of sweat, the salt of a mother's tears onto that soft head of the salt of the earth, feeling lonely and tired and hungry Annoyed, overwhelmed, loving. And I think if, if the vulgarity of birth is not honestly preached by men who carry power but not a burden, who carry privilege but not labor, who carry authority but not submission, well then it shouldn't be preached at all. Because the real scandal of the birth of God 
lies in the cracked nipples of a 14-year-old and not in the sermons of ministers who say women are too delicate to lead. It almost feels too scandalous to read in church, doesn't it? And yet, it is, there, there's nothing, there's nothing, you know, it's just ordinary, natural stuff, right? Some of us know all too well. And, and I just am thinking about how we've, again, we've sanitized all of the reality out of these stories such that it does seem almost heretical to read these words about wondering what might, could, could Mary have been annoyed? Is that okay to say? Can we imagine that, you know what? Jesus had to have his butt wiped and clean, that, that the child of God, God in the flesh, had to be cared for tenderly, was vulnerable. I mean, how's that for an image of everlasting God, Almighty Father, wonderful counselor, Prince of Peace? A baby with his legs up in the air on a changing table or an animal's feeding trough or whatever. And yet that is right where we claim God's power is most powerfully manifested. And I think about all the ordinary ways when we think, what does it mean to give birth to God? And the, the great theologians throughout the ages have always said, we are all called to be mothers of God, because what good is it to me if Mary gave birth to Jesus, gave birth to God 2,000 years ago, but I don't also give birth to God in my own time and place? What good is that proclamation to me? That is what the great theologians throughout the ages have always said. And yet we've sanitized it, put it in the past, such that if you were to ask us today, what, what does it mean to give birth to God? Most of us would just sort of stare at you like, what? It doesn't, doesn't compute, <laughs> right? And yet I think of that moment, those early moments after the birth of Jesus, and I think, well, what does giving birth to God look like? What does it look like to raise God, to raise Jesus? I am sure that Jesus came out of the womb no more fully formed than any other baby, wasn't taking care of himself right out of the womb, needed to be taught, needed to be trained to learn how to speak, to walk, cried out when he needed food. And I think of Mary tending to that vulnerable newborn. And I think the work of Christmas that Howard Thurman speaks of, the work of giving birth to God and raising Jesus that each of us are invited to do here and now is, is not necessarily some big, grand thing. Some big, grand calling that we have to discern, but it's really all the ordinary everydayness of life. What does it mean to serve one another? To come alongside someone who needs help? 
like Mary, who maybe could use a hand, who is overwhelmed, who needs a shoulder to cry on, who, who maybe needs an extra set of hands to come in and take care of the baby while she just goes and lays down for a little bit. What are the ways in which we are invited as we come into this new year? That each of us are invited all these small everyday ways in our homes, with the people we love, in our church, some of whom we love, maybe others whom we tolerate, in our wider world, with those people that we love and those other people we wish would just go away, with everyone that we are in relationship with. How are we being invited to overcome the divisions, the hostilities, one small act at a time? You don't have to agree with someone's politics to offer them a hand. Lord knows there's a whole lot of people in our world, perhaps each and every one of us, who could use a hand in one way or another. To recognize that need within ourselves and to meet one another at that point of need. That's the invitation of Christmas, I believe. Friends, may that be the work to which we find ourselves being called in the days and in the year ahead. Amen. As we continue... I again invite you to turn to those carol book, song books and sing uh, the following carols. We won't introduce them all. We'll just keep going from one to the next. But let us, let us sing our way back into that story. <laughs> 